laugh and not too stressful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Loosehead Sports Show, the number one sports show on planet Earth. Brought to you each and every week by Caffeine Gum Australia, the number one caffeine supplement on planet Earth. Jed Gillespie, how are you, sir? Good, mate. I'm COVID-free. I'm the one of the I'm one of the ten people left, and so are you. And well, we mate, I'm very, I'm very, very COVID-free. Amazingly, I feel like diseases can't get diseases. So, you know, as we are slowly spreading around the world, nothing can really stop us at this point. Even life-threatening, life-threatening diseases. Nice. Oh, we've got the same bottle as well. That's great. Right. Soda water. Well Big done. soda water guy, lately. Yeah, I I'm a huge, love that shit. I'm a huge soda water guy. Um, and yeah, we can't catch COVID. I don't know why. I'm kind of. I'm not looking forward to getting it, really. I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but now that, like, obviously everyone's getting a little bit crook, it's not the end of the world. It's a flu, but I don't like getting the flu either, so fuck that, no. you know? No. Well, look, I, I've been feeling a little bit off, so I went and got – I did two rat tests. How I, Rats. How I, yeah, how I got my hands on them is beyond me. I'm like, this cannot be right. So I went and checked at the uh, carrying bar testing clinic yesterday got the test back within eight hours you are negative sir so onwards and upwards let's start off with the elephant in the room now i know you've spent a lot of your life in serbia and you're a big fan of the serbian (laughs) people and we've got a lot of listeners over there is the novak djokovic the djokovic the djokovic situation as embarrassing as i think it is what do you think about it oh man it's it's so embarrassing it is so embarrassing um, I was I was reading up on it today just to make sure I was across it, but it is it's it's it is so fucking embarrassing. Um, there, obviously, there's uh, yeah, it, I I just can't believe that we're doing it. I I, I actually can't believe them. It makes no difference if you like for him to be coming in unvaccinated. Like he's not going to be a burden on our health community. Like he's a billionaire or a millionaire. Who gives a fuck? All right, I want to ask you something to hopefully prove my point, fingers crossed. If someone's, as as you used to be a sports agent, I assume it's a little different in rugby, but if you are a professional sports person and you're competing in another country and you win prize money, how does the tax situation work? Well, that's a good question. Because I I assume... I think you get taxed in that country. You you do. I know you do, but how how does it work? Because I, I would assume... That if you're a tennis player and you play tennis in Australia and you win prize money from Australia, you have to yeah. pay tax in Australia as yeah. well as your home country, which is why a lot of them live in places like Monaco. Yeah, they live um, in bizarre places. Yeah, no, that's that, that would be that sounds certainly sounds correct. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Now so I, he's going to be paying money to us anyway. Yeah. Well, he's been paying money to us for years. Is my argument. So he's one of a number of Australian Opens. I haven't got the exact figures, but even if you're quite high up, you're still paying. Uh, a good price packet and I assume a good tax packet as well. So the, the argument, I, I, don't, I try not to keep uh, reading too much of it because it just annoys me. But the, the thing that I can see is people don't like that he's getting special treatment. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Uh, yeah, I suppose. But he's also like, he's not an Australian citizen and he's playing in the Australian Open, which no one else is. Like your average punter. Uh, the whole thing's mad. I mean, Melbourne, Australia's gone mad. The world's gone a bit mad, but Melbourne's gone particularly mad. It makes no difference if he's vaccinated or not. Like, if he gets COVID, he gets COVID. But with the out. special treatment thing, he is the best tennis player in the world, probably one of the greatest of all times. If he doesn't get special, and I would guess this is just speaking purely out of my ass, he's probably contributed significant amount of tax dollars to the Australian economy. 
as well as TV money, jobs. It's also business. it's so embarrassing that like he's he was granted like conditional approval um, to enter, and then they've said, well, technically, no one's guaranteed entry, no non-residents guaranteed entry, which is correct. Don't grant him don't grant him approval then. Um, and also, he had COVID. If it's true, he had COVID in December. He can't get a, he can't get a vax under most medical programs anyway. He can't be vaxxed until and I know he's, uh, he's he doesn't like he doesn't want a vaccination, but he can't have one anyway. So if he turned around and said, "I'll get vaccinated today," he can't because he had COVID fucking two weeks ago. So it is so embarrassing and like you'll see it. I'm sure you follow the same stuff I do, like Barstool Sports and. Everyone thinks we're in a military fucking lockdown all over the world. We're the laughing stock of the world. Um, so it's it's seriously embarrassing. The whole thing's a clusterfuck. They shouldn't have granted him approval if they were then going to put him into Nauru when he got here. Like, and it doesn't matter. Like, he, it's not like he could pass it on more or he can do anything special. If he gets COVID, he gets COVID and he's sick. Either way. Like it's it's madness, man. It's so embarrassing as a country. Do you think? Do you think? Now I've got a long running beef with Fox Sports, um, stemming back from the time where I did a podcast with Kieran Reid and Michael Hooper, and then talked a little bit about how they were teammates, and obviously they were captains against each other. Three days later, Fox Sports release the same thing. So obviously, I'm breaking news ahead of Fox Sports, and have been for years now. But every time they put something, I feel like they're just waiting for something like that to happen. Go, yes, we've got something that we can write about, which will get people commenting because it's divisive and, you know, there's opinions this way and, oh, you know, I'm a truck driver or I'm a fucking warehouse worker or a podcaster and I had to get vaccinated. Why doesn't this multi-millionaire tennis player have to? Yeah. Um, and and I, I feel like they just push it on and on and on and on whereas if they didn't write about it no one would give a fuck but it's the fact that they write about it and put it out there constantly like i was reading today that the court case is going to cost the australian um uh, taxpayer oh. half a million bucks or something yeah definitely well they, like, they that's more pay, outrageous they that, that's more, why are people outraged about that oh you know? i mean because people are fucking stupid for the most part but um if I was him, and I, I'm, as I've mentioned many times, I'm super spiteful. He's one of the, probably the best tennis player in the world. Um, I would say, okay, I'm never coming back to Australia. And I, if I get into coaching, I'm never coming back to Australia and I'm never sending anyone to Australia. And um, mm, fuck you. That, that's pretty much where I'd end it. And it's probably not the tennis, the ATP or whatever they're called. It's probably not their fault, but I would lump them all in with Australia and just go, well, I'm never coming back here. He should get a bottle. You know how Dave Portnoy will get a, an engraved ma- magnum of champagne whenever yes, he's got an enemy. Australia on it, <laughs> and then he, and then and then whenever he demol- uh, demolishes that enemy, he'll drink. God, I can't even speak today. He'll drink the bottle of champagne. And um, imagine if Novak did that with Australia. If any of our listeners, our fifty-five loyal listeners, are still listening, and um, yeah, thank you very much for that because we like doing this every week. Yeah. It, it, let's move away from that topic. It's yeah. You know, thankfully we don't have any huge corporate sponsors yet, so I think we probably would have just lost them then. But you know, I think the whole situation is embarrassing. Uh, I, I I bet you all the other male tennis players in the world who have come are looking at that situation going, "Holy fuck! I hope they don't let him play because he's going to be very angry." Mm. And you know, I hope he's all right. I hope he's all right. I mean, I I, it, I just think it's dumb, but. 
on the same line of thought, um, COVID been uh, been hitting the super franchises. Um, nice. I we spoke to sort of someone at the Tars. There was you know sort of what I don't want to exaggerate. I want to sort of get it on the money. It was probably like. 10 to 15 guys out or was there 15 guys out? Uh, I think week? it's north. I think it's north of that. Yeah. So first week of training is, you know, there was sort of enough guys to do one drill. Um, and uh, it was always going to happen. I mean, people had free roam at Christmas and everyone seemed to get it. Um, I spoke to uh, someone in the Rebels and it was exactly the same. It, it was almost exactly the same situation. So you had sort of 15, 16 guys out. And then by the time they get back, the other 15 guys are out because they have it. Um, it's, yeah, it's not good for them, but it it, I, it stresses me out for Shujiu. It's a wild situation because what will happen is the guys in our competition, if people stay fit, they stay healthy, and they're half-decent players, they're a chance of playing Super Rugby this year because guarantee you there'll be people that have pulled out with COVID. So it's going to yeah, be very interesting to see how it plays out. Guys, if, if you're in the shoot shield and you stay fit, stay healthy and stay out of trouble and play well, you're, you're a chance of getting a super rugby gig this year. The, the alternative is that they go, hey, it's just a flu. Like people die with the flu. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. I think you are a doctor. So you could probably <laughs> comment on this on this a little better. But that's the, that's the alternative. Let's treat it like a flu. Well, yeah, man. If, we, if they don't do that, I don't know how the shoot shield works. And like at the moment, I don't know any competition works, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I haven't thought about it twice. Like, we're, it's just been all positivity, like in terms of planning and stuff like that. But the reality is that, like, we're not back at training yet. Uh, probably half of your squad have it, half of my squad have it at the moment. So everyone, everyone I know has got it. Yeah, exactly. And you can catch it more than once. Is sort of the common thing coming out. So, now, have you known anyone that's been bad with it? No, I know no, one what, person. What, how, how, what's bad? What are we talking about? Uh, they weren't in hospital, they were just very sick for a few days. Yeah, I know the rest have had mild symptoms. Locks had it, Lock, my brother's had it. Uh, I think his wife had it, she was a bit sick, but uh, I know one person that was quite bad with it, and that's it. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, flus actually suck, like, you don't catch them very often because we. Uh, people probably forget get flu shots and uh, build up with the flu, but um, they suck normally. So you know a new flu is going to suck. But uh, I just hope by January, February, March, sort of March, when we're getting ready to play trials, that slowly we progress to the point where no one cares anymore, and the government just go, yeah, unless you're sick, you do whatever you want. I don't um, care anymore. I'm tired of talking about it. Oh, I'm so sick of it, bro. I know we probably shouldn't have led with it, but it was to- it was topical. It was topical. Yeah, it so fuck you. Well, look, we're a topic. We're a topical show, but it, look, it's you know, uh, I I get it's quite bad for some people. You know, we want to we want to be sensitive to those people, but so many businesses are struggling because people get COVID and they have to go and isolate. So there's heaps of restaurants shut, there's bars shut, there's yeah, and ser- that's, service that's businesses. That's doing damage to, um, to like a lot of mental health around the country as well, Pro- like infinitely more so than than the flu is. So it's it sucks, man. It's it's a weird time. To- I, I'm really, not, I'm not looking forward to getting old, but I'm looking forward to being able to reflect on this sort of period in like 2040 and just go, gee, we lost our marbles in that. Or that's when 
um, human the human race fell <laughs> off the face of the planet, and, and now only me and Chubby are left. That you, me, the people from the Harry Potter film, um, you know, the Family Guy guys, uh, Hamish and Andy will probably still be alive. I don't think anyone could kill them. The yeah, that's right. Mate, how they've had a career is an absolute credit to um, you know Australia just giving anyone a go, in my opinion. But yeah, I don't know, mate. I'm over it. Let's just get on with it, you know. Let's have yeah. the roaring 20s. I think Elon Musk, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. Uh, he said he tweeted something out the other day. I've just got a Twitter. I've got like 60 followers now. No big deal. And no, um, no, no big deal. And he's gone, uh, let's, let's have the roaring 20s. I'm like, of course we should. You know, let's just get I'm on. Pretty with sure it. <laughs> was the Roaring Twenties before after the abolition. After this, I, I think it was after the Spanish. I think it was the Spanish flu. The then Spanish the Roaring Twenties. Don't the quote world, me on that. And the World War. Yeah, I'm. I'm no historian. I know you are, so you'd probably be able to get those dates better. But yeah. swing dancing. We're gonna dance. We're gonna be in big castles. Um, Mate. How good. So we had some other my, topics. We had some other yeah, topics. Yeah, I've got, to I got about plenty, mate. I got, them, I got them lined up. Um, top League started. It's so good to watch. I don't know if you caught it. Um, it is, it's sort of like dream rugby to watch because it's literally, they, it's like they only plan to attack and they just attack and they have the world's best attackers and the world's best players intermingled with guys who would play first grade, maybe second grade. Well, who are factory and, workers? Yeah, who work in who work in companies. That you touch on that part. Um, some people might not know that. Yeah. So how it works in Japan with a lot of the places. I know some of the teams are fully professional now, but a lot of the the companies in Japan they'll get you eight to ten overseas professionals in, and then the guys who are locally qualified uh, through passport or who are Japanese guys. Uh, a lot of them work for the company, and it's actually seen as a very prestigious job and a lot of them if they if they get in the rugby team and get a job with the company it's often a job for life so they take it very seriously and then they'll train in the afternoon like i know with quade cooper's team i think it's second division i'm pretty sure it's second division but there's like eight professionals the rest all work full time so the guys will gym during the day and then they'll train together at night yeah so, so it's interesting for people to hear that tatafu Pilota now when i spoke to him was actually looking to go to japan and I don't end up, I obviously didn't end up going, but he was actually looking to actually work in a factory so he could get, not a factory, work for the company doing some computer stuff so he could actually get some experience uh, in the workforce before he stopped playing rugby. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I look, I live, I live with a guy who was playing for Panasonic um, and he, he worked at Panasonic at the time. So, you know, and he, he came over to Melbourne. So, uh yeah, it's pretty standard there. And like, you know, I suppose once you blow up or if you blow up as a player, maybe that changes around a little bit, but it's very unique. Um, but if you don't, if you are a rugby fan and you don't watch the top league, go and watch the highlights from on stand. That It is truly incredible. Like you've got Damian McKenzie, Bowden Barrett, like all these blokes playing in the same team um, against and, and cutting up. Like they really do do damage. Well, you know, whereas you probably used to seeing it play test match level, even super rugby level, um, you know, and they're very, very, they're very, very good. But Sean, when they Sean play over McMahon there, scored, they're amazing. Yeah, it's just a standout. Like, I think Sean McMahon scored three tries in the game. Uh, he's with Suntory, isn't he? On the weekend, yeah, he's he scored with three, three tries. Like, you know, I, I, 
we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, but how a guy could go from being in the starting Wallabies team over to Japan uh, and be there for a long time probably goes to show you just how much money they're getting paid over there, particularly someone at that level. Yeah, um, it's a lot. It really is a lot. Like, um, I'd love to coach there one day. It'd be cool. It seems like a bit of a hangout for all the good coaches. Um, but yeah, J- Japanese top league is, is unbelievable. And I'll, I'll do my best usually to go and find the obscure games as well and watch them. And like you mentioned, those D- D2, like D3 even, like they're playing with like, they're playing in the back of a barn somewhere. They're playing on a paddy and the guys are full-time professional. So it's, it's very unique. It's very, it's looked upon very highly over there. Um, and well, it's like it's a, with the Blake Ferguson situation, sorry to cut, oh, to cut you off. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, man. I know we talked about that last week, but the, it's a real sign of uh, shame for the company because there's a, a lot of the business owners, uh, oh, that was a very wealthy man, but it's, it's like a, you know, this is my sports team kind of thing yeah. like that's yeah, the vibe definitely. that's the vibe definitely and if your players are, are doing you know anything bad it's uh it's a sign of disrespect to the japanese uh owners of the company and, and it's a very big cultural thing over there um it's always interested me and i'm i, I wonder what's changed with them in the last couple of years but considering how big that competition is financially for players why don't they put a lot of effort into broadcasting it out to the world and getting tv rights and actually making some serious dollars out of it probably guess yeah, they, they don't really yeah, they, they don't, don't give really, a fuck no they don't they, they for them it's a fuck it's a sign of pride this is my sports team look how much i get to pay these guys all that kind of stuff um but to me i'd be wanting to make a buck out of it because i, I guarantee you if they put effort into watching the japanese top league around the world it'd be one of the biggest leagues in the world you know, viewing wise yeah, as well. I mean, I, I agree. I think it could be like viewing wise, it could be humongous. Um, it's kind of you only get two games a week on Steam, which kind of sucks to be honest. But they usually pick the best teams. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 a different world. But it's uh, I still think like if things keep going the way it is, like that'll just be that'll be just like an all stars comp, and 100%. everyone will just play ten games there. Like uh, if I was playing, man, if, and I was 27, 28, you just sit there forever. And, and they do. They play till they're 40. Like Cliff Palu? Yeah, fuck. Is he, he played, still there? He's still there. He's co- he's, so he's gone from playing, I think he finished playing last year. He'd be 40-something now. Uh, playing second or third division, still earning a good... It doesn't matter, good, yeah. You know, And then he's gone um, into a coaching job. So he'll be there another 10 years anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just, Pardon just me. Cr- it's immense. It really is immense. Uh, yeah. And I suppose the only rule, and we covered it last week, but the only rule is you can't do drugs. That's it. Yeah. Don't get, we can't don't get do drugs. Don't can't get, get caught. caught. Yeah, that's yes, right. but like <laughs> so many of the Kiwis particularly have been caught, oh, Australians as well, in France, and they just don't care. No, it's a different culture care. over there. They don't care. I was I was reading um, a tidbit the uh, when Dan Carter was over there with Racing at the end. Um, and he was, I think he was just having the time of his life, from what I can tell. Because Ali Williams, Williamson went over, Ali Williams went over to just be his full time carer. Yeah. So he so was, yeah, he, he was paid by the club to just go and hang out with Dan Carter in Racing. So whether whether that was a stipulation of Dan's contract, um, and that they remember they ended up getting caught with cocaine. Yeah. But, <laughs> so. But yeah, I just found it bizarre that someone 
like a, a very, very good test international player was hired to just after retirement to come back and just hang out with Dan Carter. How do you get a job like that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, <laughs> we we know a lot of guys playing around the world. If that if that does come up in a contract, fellas, I'm ready. Yeah, that's that's right. I'm a good my, cook. My good bags driver. are back. That's... I'm a good kisser. Get me over there. <laughs> <laughs> it is it, it is interesting. I not sure if I told this story before. I tend to repeat myself over and over and over and over and over again. But for my brief period as a professional rugby player in Italy, I would go to the captain's run 10 a.m. on a Friday. So you drive in and I would always stop and get a double espresso before training just to get that caffeine hit. Uh, obviously, I'd had a big night the night before. and needed to yeah, spark Yeah, and that was, that was before gum. That was before gum was around. So you don't need well, that- to do that anymore. But now you can now you can just chew gum. Well, now it's – it's look, I'm very much a both kind of guy. But I'd go into this place and you'd see there's an ambulance sitting at the cafe or the restaurant or the bar, whatever they call it. And you'd walk in and there's four ambulance workers drinking a bottle of Prosecco at 10 in the morning. You know, still working, still working. So it's – looks why? very much – why? Because it's just what – like it's because a different Europe. Because yeah, Europe, well, that's why. Fuck you. I would, I would argue, and I'm sure France is the same – their work is very low on the list of the European priorities. It's your sports team, your, your mistress, or probably your kids, then your mistress, then your other then your mistress, wife. then your job, <laughs> then your wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man, I, I'm scared of girls, so I, wouldn't, I couldn't do that over there. No, you um, should be. They're terrifying. Um, oh, what this, else this we got? A, yeah, this is a good one. And it's brought up, been brought up a couple of times. Um, who do you think was... Who in your time or before your time, who were the sort of best players who just didn't make it for whatever reason? Injured, um, like injured, chose not to, got the, a bad rub of the green. Um, you know, there's been a, a heap of guys. I feel like more when I was starting out, uh, mm. and similar time to you, who were really good and just didn't get there. And, you know, it could have been a couple of ACLs or this or that. But, you know, have you got any guys that spring to mind? You know, I'm, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to blow smoke up this guy's ass. So let, let, me, let me think of another one. Like, there's been a number of guys that played for South who could have taken the step up to super rugby level. Like, Rose Seifeloy, even though he's still playing good footy, in, in his prime was, was killing it. He could have played super rugby easily. Um, I look at Denny and Apo in the centres. They could have easily... Apo was that, one. I, I yeah. had Apo on my list. Um, he was the guy, Apo Latinapulu. Um, yeah. He was a guy who, you know, played strange school boys. Um, he was very, very good. A lovely guy as well. Then played, uh, pretty sure he played 20s. Um, yeah. Was in that sort of Tars setup on the on the, on the the cusp of it um, in the academy. Um, and, you know, a little bit of injury, a little bit of life was the case, was it? Uh, mate, he played a, over a hundred first grade games and not a very large, long amount of time. So I, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I was, you, you're right. I've seen, I've seen that guy absolutely carve up current Super Rugby. Well, not now. They've got that. These guys have gone overseas. But when he was playing, current starting Super Rugby centers, and not just, not just carve them up. Like make them look like they were second graders or, or you know a different level of player. I, I, I don't know why he didn't get a go. I, I think. You know, maybe when he did originally get a go, he got injured. Uh, and there was a very, that- very big Sydney Uni contingent at that time in history. Like I'm thinking back to sort of 2013, 2014. It's a lot like of the, guys the, as well. The tar- yeah, the Tars were run by the students and the and the 
and the and Randwick and like I remember some center signings and some wing signings from back then. And like that's a, a lot of time. It, it comes down to a lot of like who you know. You know, uh, I'd say this all the time to some guys, but the best thing that can happen for someone who's young and playing is your your coach gets a gig at Super Rugby. I mean, that's a problem that East would have had for a very long time. Is that we haven't had anyone. Johnny went to sevens. We haven't had anyone go to Super Rugby. So if you go to Super Rugby, like you know, we saw it with Simon Cron, not in a bad way, but like he got Will Miller into Super Rugby. Will Miller was, was fucking phenomenal. He needed to be in Super Rugby, but until someone from a different perspective or, and his club got there, he wasn't going to get the gig. Um, and he also, you know, which is sort of just the way it works, he sort of managed to wiggle four or five guys from that North setup into the TARS extended or in the side, you know, he wiggled them in there. And that's, that's sort um... of how it works. So, you're kind no, of touching on a broader issue here in, in terms of like how professional teams recruit players. Uh, again, I'm probably told this story, but when I when I started playing for the Rising, I think in 2015, do you know how I got the gig? It would have been, I reckon it was through match. It was. It wasn't because the general manager or the coaching staff have gone, hey, who are the guys that we should look at and, and could be potentially next contracted players? It was... Tim Metcher going to uh, your really good friend, the coach, we won't name. Hey, uh, my mate plays both sides of the scrum. He's interested if you're interested. Yeah. And that was it. It's, and that it's, was it. Um, it's so important. It, it's honestly so important whether it be players around or co- the coaches. But like uh, I literally could give an infinite amount of examples. But when I was – Doing a lot of guys are like hanging, young guys hanging to do a rugby, super rugby preseason, right? When I was in Melbourne, Todd Loudon was in Melbourne. There were four or five guys from Newcastle doing a super rugby preseason, you know. One of them ended Fuck up being one of them ended up being Andrew Twyla. Fuck doing was, that guy's preseason just quietly. <laughs> yeah. And look, Andrew, Andrew Twyla was a phenomenal player, so fair play. But there was, yeah. you know, four or five guys there. Um, I remember a few years after that, there was a few guys from West who, you know, weren't really on the radar of even first grade. And, you know, they, then they're popping up down there. Um, you've got to look at general managers and things like that and where they started. And as much as, yes, the cream will rise to the top. And, like, if you're blitzing it in the shoot shield nowadays, you'll get picked up. It'll be okay. But I feel like when there was a touch more depth in talent, sort of seven, eight years ago, it really helped to have someone pulling. You know, it just came down to that 50-50. And when it came down to the 50-50, yeah. um, that's what Sydney Uni are very good at. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. That's why a big reason why, like, if you would play for them is because, you know, if you do make that first grade level, they'll have a connection at the Rebels. They'll have a connection at the Reds. They'll have their connection at the Tars. Like, they'll be very good at advancing you. Um, purely by the fact you wear the, the, those colours on the weekend. So that's something that Eastwood were never very good at. Uh, I think it's something we're getting better at. But it's some, it's, it can make or break your career. It really can. Why, why do you think you never got another opportunity? Um, when I got back from Melbourne Hurt for two reasons, um, I probably got a bad rep. Just doesn't look good when you bounce out of a program. Um, and when I got back, the Tars were doing blades he was doing cam blades was doing like a like a scrum school sort of thing and i to be honest i just wasn't i was just off it i was i just got back man i just got back and like uh, you know i was full time and then that was 
I was with a lot of guys who were playing Colts and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm going to get, I need a knee up. I'm not doing it, you know. Um, But, you know, that was only that year. I don't really know. I I look, I got an opportunity in the States um, and I chose not to go. So I'm not really salty on that, you know. No, no, no. It's just just interesting because to to me, like, uh, I think, like, if I'm, you, you know, I'm quite deprecating about my own abilities, but I think there was a couple of years where I was genuinely good enough. Maybe 2014, 2015, around then. I, I wouldn't, any other time, I definitely wasn't fit enough and wasn't doing enough work around the field. But to me, once people have a perception of you in their head, it very rarely changes. So I could have all of a sudden become the, the biggest athlete, you know, the, the most electric. I could have had your ball carrying abilities and been, and been, you know, an even better scrummager than, than I was. And I don't think people would have changed their perception of me. Yeah, because you're so, not the, yeah I know what you're but, saying. I'm not the same person I was three years ago, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you, human being, particularly coaches, should judge people on what they see rather than how, the, how how a person was when they were younger, if that makes sense. Like, it's very unfair mm. to tarnish you for the rest of your career because of how old were you when you were at the Rebels? 22. Exactly. 22 is a young man. Yeah. You know? but I mean, I also understand that, like, the nature of the game is sometimes you only get one go. And a lot of people, in fact, most people don't get one go. So that's the way it is. Um, but look, oh yeah, look, there, there was particularly after the 2000, I know this is a lot later, 2015, I had a good NRC. And 2017, I had a particularly good NRC. Um, and like by that point, I was sort of 25. And like, that's a, that's a pretty good age for something to get cracking. And honestly, there was just nothing happening. Whether it was like a change of like, mindset or whatever so I, that's when i head off overseas yeah um, look it's just interesting to me i'm not saying i'm not saying it doesn't happen and but i'm saying that i think people should you know people who judge you based on how you used to be probably haven't changed much themselves is what i'm saying you should judge people on what what you see now the results that they're putting out there now and then go hey is this a different person who he was when he was younger and i think a lot of people are like that like how you start I've said this to a couple of the props, like you don't want to be seen as unfit from the start because then you will always be seen as unfit. Get fit, play well from the start, keep getting better, and people will go, oh, this person's good. Whereas if you start unfit, all of a sudden go, hey, I'm going to get my life together, train your ass off, work on your skills, and then start playing well, people have already made their mind up generally. It's a good good point, and I I agree with it entirely in terms of first your first – representation you're giving to guys who are aspirational like not that you want to present the complete package but you want to present something that's very likable so that's always fit that's always the right size that's always good strength and your core skills are good you know it's because like you said there's certainly i'm guilty of it i'm sure you're guilty of as well there's guys who i played against when i was 22 who i perceive a certain way but the reality is, by the, you know, by three or four years later, they were, you know, a lot tougher than I remember, or a lot more skillful than I give them credit for. But yeah, mentally, you're like, well, you know, I don't remember him being that tough. He wasn't that tough, or like he wasn't very fit. Um, so that's why, you know, the guys have uh, we keep we always say it, but you got to treat you got to treat yourself like a pro before you're a pro to make sure that you're painting the right picture. This is how dumb I. This is how dumb I was. I always thought that I'd get fit once I got into a program. <laughs> yeah, 
No, but I mean that makes that makes a, that, that makes a little bit of sense. I mean, you had a different you had a different pathway to where you oh, it were. Doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. They're not if you're not fit, you're not even going to get a look in. Because if you're not fit, that's more of a reflection on you. You know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is true. Yeah. How I look, I look I had, at. I didn't yeah. say this to DC when I talked to him, but I was I was too afraid to bring it up because I thought, geez, he's doing a nice thing, doing a podcast with me. But remember the year you guys beat us in the grand final? Mm. And, you know, even though we lost, it was still like a really great year for us. Like we'd come mm. through a lot of things. We'd beaten uni. It was, a, it was awesome. It was still one of the best years of my life. And on the Monday, we were due to start NRC training after the Shoot Shield grand final. So I obviously did Silly Sunday. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to I'm gonna go out Monday as well. And I texted DC and go, hey, mate, I'm going to Mad Monday. I'll see you tomorrow. And he's just, you know, abused me on text, like just giving it to me. Mick Snowden turned up. He just won a grand final. Absolutely giving it to me. And I thought, you know, at the time, I'm like, oh, he's been a bit, you know, like, oh, that's yeah. not very, very cool. But looking back at it now, if I was him, I would have told me to fuck off. You know, yeah. I would have said, get, get the fuck out of here. I'll get someone who wants to be here. But it, like that, that's uh, that epitomizes, I suppose, maybe our shortcomings and someone like Snowy, who is literally like when I when I cracked grade, like he was, he came up from third grade, like he played third grade at Eastwood, he played second grade at Eastwood, then he was the best player in second grade at Eastwood, then he was the best player in first grade at Eastwood, like he he went the hard way and he had an outstanding ethic. So by that point, he'd sort of he was, I think he played a, one or two games for the force or something like that. Yeah. But it, it was purely his. He was a professional, like he, he had a professional standards of fitness and attendance and things like that. So, you know, that's a, probably a good example of someone who did paint the right picture. You know, I'm trying to make up for my shortcomings as a player during my coaching career. Yeah, I think that's the. I I I, I, I tend to agree. You get a second chance, um, and that's why it, I hate so much when I see aspects of myself as a young player in in, in guys. Because I'm just yeah. like, look, you can do this if you want, but it's gonna, it's not gonna pan out that well. No, oh, mate, I I agree, I agree. Look, it's 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 funny looking back how stupid I was, but you know, I say one of the very few things I'm good at is working things out. Sometimes it's too late, but I do work things out. You get them in and, the end. Yeah, in the end, even if it's too late. Like I didn't work all that shit out till the last year of my career, and then I had two concussions and I, I was done. So, but yeah. you know, I think I think I was probably always meant to be a coach. Uh, not necessarily a player, so I've learned a lot of good lessons that will help me there. But you know, no, I, actually, I, think- I actually, I thought that as well. When I was about 26, I was like, I'm looking forward to being on the other end of this, you know. But I had to, I, like, you had a responsibility to yourself to play for a little bit longer. I, I always I always thought about coaching. Like, to, to me, I last, what am I now? I'm 34 in a couple of weeks. Last sort of set, six, Whoa. seven years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as old as you. And oh, then, uh, and uh, you know, last six, seven years, I'd thought about coaching and ask questions, and I'd like pay attention to how people did things. Um, so yeah, but but I think you know, at the start of this long-winded brand, was the recruitment stuff in Australia and maybe in sport in general needs to improve, particularly. Well, I don't know about other sports. I'm sure league do it better than we do. Oh, but no, Chubby, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in and throw some throw some heat. DC, I, I, I uh, DC. From everything I've seen, been training, heard, I've heard everything's going really well in there. He said he only had three spots to fill, right? Or you know, three and plus some change. Recruitment for the last seven years has been horrific. 
yeah. horrific. And it's not like I'm throwing shade as someone who's pessimistic. Almost, almost anyone with a rugby opinion would tell you that the TARS recruitment has been very poor. Um, that was, I don't know where, where, where the, like, the recruitment, I don't know whether their loyalties lay there. Like it, the it didn't lay. It well, didn't where's lay the any, strategy? Where's the strategy? Well, no, but it didn't. It, I yeah. can't say. Oh, it was a Sydney Uni thing, or oh, it was a this thing, or oh, it was a that thing, because it wasn't any of them really. It was just bizarre. It truly was. Like if if oh, I don't want to do a list, but if you cycle through a list of like 2017 or even 2018 to 2021, some of the signings that have left them sort of where they are, which is lacking, uh, lacking senior guys and lacking this and lacking. Like, someone should be put on public trial for that stuff. Public trial. And, like, yeah, Sydney Uni's always been aligned with the Rebels. You know what? It, it's panned out fine. The Rebels are, uh, you know, in a better state. But the, the way the Tars have panned out, I, some, sometimes I wonder whether anyone has accountability meetings at, at the end of the year and goes, well, fuck, how did you end up with, you know, three, tight, three loose head props under 20 or, like, no second row is returning for next year. Like, stuff like that. And I'm not talking about 2022, but I'm talking about 18, 19, 20, 21. Like, the, the, whoever was uh, – I know who was doing the signings and hirings and firings, and it was it – was, it's criminal. It's fucking criminal. Yeah. No, mate, look, you're right. I, I, yeah, interestingly, have you listened to the chat with DC? I can't remember if you said it in part one or part two, but it was – he said something. I asked him what surprised him about coaching Super Rugby as opposed to Shoot Shield. And I think one of the things he said was um, that he was surprised at the standard of some of it. Like he he brought some guys in who were probably struggling more than he thought that they would. Yeah. In Shoot Shield. So I thought it was interesting. I, I, I think, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, the, someone, someone in there told me that last year's, the, the likely starting second rowers, Sorry, let me get this right. I want to make sure I get this wording right. The starting second rowers from 2021, by the end mm. of it, were mm. the eighth eighth string second rower was eighth on the depth chart the year before. Yeah, like, that's fucking wild. That's fucking wild to it's, me. It's it is wild, especially like if you just went back three years and have a look at what the depth was there, which at the time you probably thought, oh, that wasn't great depth, but it was like Holloway and you know. Ned Hannigan or, or a 20-year-old Ned Hannigan, something like that. But That looks like, like it could be it again this year. Bring, I mean, bringing guys in, I always think they're going to struggle because what you said is correct. They're never fit enough. Professional guys train and train and train. So the guys DC's got at the task, they've all been systemed for like three or four years minimum. So they're all going to train hard, play hard, hit hard, do good things. So training standards are going to be excellent. But real-world depth when it comes to going and playing the Crusaders or playing the Brumbies, real-world depth isn't great. And that's not DC's fault. That's, you know, he's, he, but in three years' time, it'll be his, it'll be here on him. But right now, he's, he's, he's just making food with whatever's on the table. Um, and someone else bought that food and they need to be fucking held accountable. How often do you see? How often do you see? Well, I guess with the with the TV, it's easier to, to assess people now. But like, how often do you see guys at our games? Never. Like, and that, that's and that's and a big part of I suppose 
you know, the guys will drop back and play and then get recalled. And I'm not talking about from Eastern necessarily. I'm talking about Randwick or, or, or everywhere. Like, and they might have had an absolute shocker for, for whoever they played for, you know, and they'll be up at the task. And you think, that's not good. That's not good. Or, they, you know, they might, not be the, they might not be the starting fucking number eight for South. But they'll, they'll hit. They'll be then be on the bench for the state side, and you go, what the what the fuck is going on here? That's not good. Like you know, there might be guys who, not with you. I'm just off the head. Not with you guys, but there might be some teams out there that once they get their full full strength side back, their task guys not on the field. Um, that's yeah. very possible. Very very possible. And that's not how it should be. Oh, look, I'd, I'd put it to you, uh, if AT, Andrew Tuala's fit, uh, and we have all the Waratah front, uh, hookers at our club, uh, Andrew Tuala's starting. Andrew Tuala, I mean, are you allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you have any Waratah hookers? No. Yeah. Uh, or, no. or potentially. Potentially. I don't know if he's in the squad or not, but he's been training and, with him. Andrew Tuala is... Very, very good rugby. That's, but that's why. He, it, but it doesn't matter. He'd still be starting anyway. Yeah. No, I'm with you. But uh, it's just, and that, but I suppose it all started from the accountability around selection, but there needs to be more of it. It seems like, it just from the outside looking in, it seems like somewhere like ACT, which is very easy to romanticize, but it seems like they're far more impartial with who they pick. Um, I actually asked Dan, so coming up on Wednesday, I've got uh, next week, I can send it to you early if you like, but did a podcast with Dan McKellar and I asked him how he actually goes about recruiting people and, and the process he goes through to make sure that they're not only good players, but good humans culturally and, you know, hardworking and all that kind of stuff. So there was some good shit in there. Um, but he, he has a process for recruiting. Just before I forget, I'll, I'll finish. This will kind of, you know, sum up nicely this little rant that we've been having, but when I was at Melbourne, I initially went down as a loose head and obviously recruited through Match, who was one of the other players in the team, which is crazy on, on its own. First five minutes of the game, Match tries to tackle Radiki Samo and is out for the rest of the year. Mm. Another another Melbourne Rebels who was guy who was young at the time, doesn't play anymore because he's re- since retired, came on a tight head prop and got absolutely fucking hammered. The coach... Your friend came up to me at half time and says, Chubby, I'm gonna, gonna ask something very big of you here. Can you please play tight head prop for the second half? At the time, I'd probably done it a couple of times in the game. I understood the basics, but I was not very good. Mm. Me wanting to be a good bloke and do the right thing by the team, go, yes, no worries. So I played the rest of the game at tight head. It was an average game, did better than the Melbourne Rebels guy, though. The next week, the coaches, one of the coaches' um, family friends, who is a player from Brisbane, lovely, lovely guy, won't name him, but very good human being, came down and was the new prop to replace Matt. So he ended up playing on the bench nearly every game, starting behind me. And I didn't play well. I'm, I'm not going to fucking sugarcoat it. Get to maybe two weeks of the NRC to go. I know, I know they need to sign a prop, and I've just gone to dump up Tony McGran. I've gone, look, I, whatever. I just need to know what you're thinking. And he goes, look, uh, you know, uh, you're probably not big enough to be a super rugby tight head, and you're not, you know, you're not fit enough. And I'm like, oh, I came down as a loose head, and I've 
done everything that you wanted me to do and I started over current Melbourne Rebels guys. I didn't say that, of course. And they ended up <laughs> signing this. They ended up signing the guy who got bought down by your coach, mate, and who's now no longer a professional rugby player. So, yeah. Well, like, and you, you sort of, uh, it ties back to the question of like, why didn't you have a second crack? It's because of shit like that, you know, and it, it, get, it does get tiring. Like, the 2000, uh, so two, I think it's 2018 or something. I, um, or 20, I can't remember, but I, I'd effectively been captain of the side or played the whole year, you know, started every fucking game. Just, I don't know whether I played well. I can't remember. To be honest, all these games fucking merge into one. But I was in first grade. Ain't that the truth? Oh, bro, I don't remember anything. And there was no one knocking on the door. Like, there was no one giving me minutes off. And that's not because I was fucking phenomenal. It's because we just didn't have anyone else. And then they were picking. That was the year they went back to two two NRC teams. Yeah. And they had signed the the Sydney side, coached by, I can't fucking remember, I think maybe Owen Finnegan and... Uh, Is it Whitaker? Chris, Whitt- Chris Whitaker had signed the second our second grade loose head because he was 21 and he ha- he played 15 minutes of first grade and so like you know it, t- it ties back into it but you know I ended up getting I re- eventually got a call from him and they were like oh mate you know we've got a sport we've got two spots left and uh, we're looking at you and Paddy Seo and I said did you did you sign our second grade prop and they said, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's going to be a part of it. And I said, mate, uh, I, I won't be there. You know, uh, not, I'm not trying to be like, I didn't, wasn't confrontational or anything, but I'm just like, mate, I'm not coming. Like, I'm not, that's just ridiculous. And How demoralizing that, was the NRC for players? I, I used to find it fun. But it is, it was demoralizing, like the fun, you probably played, you played for the Rams, which, you know, probably one of the, uh, like the Tropic Thunder of the, um, NRC world, you, know. you mean the you mean the Flint, the Flint Michigan yeah, Tropics, Tropics yeah, that, Thunder, yeah, Flint Michigan, yeah, Flint Michigan Ram, Tropics. Rams, Rams is very different to the Eagles. I'll give you that. But well, was, Rams is different from everything. Let's be really honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, no. Look, it was tough. It was tough. But like, it was. It's little things like that, and then like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure it happened to you as well. But you know, you play and we, say we make the grand final or something like that. And then, you know, two props, from, one from Colts at uni and one from West Harbour gets the gets are in with the Tars. And, like, you know, year after year after year, there's only so many years you can fucking do it before you before you start playing for yourself and stop playing for contract. I shoved the guy's head up his ass one day and I really genuinely gave it to him. And the next week he got picked for Australia. Yeah, I actually know who that is. I remember where it was. It was a Coogee Oval, I think. Uh, that'll do. But yeah, somewhere near there. That, that'll somewhere. do. Yeah. That'll do. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name drop. I'm not gonna name drop. But yeah, it's but funny. It, it's weird how I remember that. Yeah. Just off, just quickly, like bang. I, I watch. I much. I watch a lot of football, chubby. I absolutely gave gave it to him. And like, of course, with my year that year's highlights, I replayed it like six times, slow motion, because that was all the that was all I could do. But yeah, you know. Yeah, that shit has happened all the time. It, it, in terms of like playing every game for an NRC team and then having the guy who's maybe a year younger than you get signed, you know, <clears throat> there's there's all sorts of shit like that happens. And I'm not saying that I deserved it. I looking back now, if I was the coach, I wouldn't have picked me. Um, but it is just funny to see how they think about it. Yeah, and look, I'm- and it, sometimes look, sometimes they get it right. You know, 
Like 2015, Cam Cameo was the reserve loose set. He was a young yeah. fella. You know, he's gone on to be a great footballer. Right. But he didn't play many, many minutes that year. He just didn't. And that that next year, he got signed by the Tars. And our, another prop from that squad got signed by the Tars. So, like, you know, it can be difficult. It's 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 sort of, I don't know. It's, it's not always lineal, is my point. And sometimes they get it right. Like, uh, he had, I suppose he had to... He had to go and prove himself away from Australia camp and he's come back and he's a great player and a good man. But the other guy that didn't get right and it's just not linear. So that's what makes it difficult is when you can say to someone like, be the best at this or like make this or, or, or look like this and do this, do this. And it can still not go your way. That's what makes it so fucking difficult, you know. So um, it's an interesting world. I'm sure I'll make the same mistakes as a coach. In terms of I got, I got to um, I got to give a quick shout out. The, the, initial, the initial thing was guys who, who never who never made it, but could have been anything. Um, the first one I had coming into football was Hugh Parrott. Oh, and I, I'll, yeah, I'll do, I was actually going to I was going to say him. Oh, and like I, I'm not doing it more from Eastwood, but he he was a guy who I uh, look. He played too, bro. He played 20 games or something. But year after year after year, he was the fittest. He was the fastest. He was the strongest. And I just never quite understood. It's not like he was a divisive character. He's very lead by example, like, you know, all these, all these eyes, dotties, T's cross sort of character. So um, I think his, his problem is he probably came through because he was a seven, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he, he would have come through in the David Croft, George Smith, Phil War era. So it would have been pretty hard to get a game in. Um, oh no, he would have been just after that, wouldn't he? Yeah. He was after that, man. So like that, Look, I, I'm not, as again, well, well, again, I'm Pike, not. Paycock Hooper, Liam Gill, Sean McMahon. That. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So it was, he was in the same era as like at the Tars, like, um, was it Ed Lee Jenkins? Or, uh, John O'Jenkins. Yeah. yeah, John O'Jenkins, Pat McCutcheon, like that sort of era. And like, again, like he played 250 first-year games, but he couldn't do it. Like there's nothing he could have done more. Um, another guy from Eastwood was a guy called Cam Mitchell. He could have been anything. Like he played two strange school boys, uh, twenty like captain strange school boys, you know, a couple of ACLs, but you know, played at first grade at eighteen. He was phenomenal, um, phenomenal football. And sometimes injuries just don't let you play football. Um, one that I've always, I, and we're friends, so it's, I don't know, it's not, it's not, maybe it's not fair, but like year after year since we were like twenty one with Sam Ward at. Ringer. Oh yeah, forty. But he's but like he's so tough. So like what what was what was stopping that? You know, he's a good bloke, and he's a nice guy. So he's not a, he's not a prick. So like you can't be like oh he was a really good guy. Look, he he was probably at the start of his career played like he was a short second role, but then he was a powerful eight for years and years and years. Um, and also like one of those dudes you can like bench two hundred, squat two hundred. Like what? Uh, like what? What is, what's a man got to do? Um, you know. Yeah, it's a yeah. There, there are a couple of good ones. Man, there's there was a ton of guys that if they got given an opportunity, probably could have. Um, now I think about it, you know, even even guys who have played Super Rugby, um, but probably haven't had uh, as much, you know, recognition as as maybe we think. Like, you know, uh, I hate to fucking. I was going to say his name before, but I'll, I'll say it now. But like him, like Holloway, when he killed it in 2015, maybe, you know. It's insane. No, no, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, like, 
<laughs> uh, I also, yeah. And, Holloway, and, you know, Holloway, them getting... turn, turn it off now. Turn it, yeah. turn it off. The podcast is for you. I'll cut this out of the show, this part. But he was he's the single best like player that will turn a game on its head. He I agree. was phenomenal. He was a 25-point player. And that's not saying anything about South. That's purely him. And, you know, then he then he got to the Tars and they fucking go, okay, well, you're the fastest person on the planet, but we'll play you in the second row from now on because we've got to play, you know, so-and-so at six. Like, And then, you know, we'll drop you for this person, that person, whoever the flavor of the month from fucking South Africa was at the time. Like, it's, it's as I said, it's not linear. Like, it's you've got to be very resilient with your knocks. Um, even guys who are that good, like Holloway, you got to like he's had to be fairly resilient um, to end up where he back where he's now. I reckon he's a twenty-five point player in a nightclub or a party as well. You know, I don't know. If he, I don't know if he is anymore. He certainly was when he was the face of the greater Sydney Rams. I can guarantee that. But I don't know if he is now that he's a daddy. No, I think he's probably well behaved. Well, I haven't seen him for a while, so that's a good sign. <laughs> As I'm definitely, definitely not well behaved. But yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of things that could go on that could be better. So the I suppose the thing is I've always looked at it like I've looked at off seasons and I've gone, I want to be if I like from a club perspective, even when I was playing, I want to be as quiet as possible. I want to tiptoe around this off season. You know, like I remember years where we signed really good players, and it's like Let's, we're not going to tell anyone. Like, let's, like, let's just rock up for round one and have people go, oh, damn it. They got, you know, so-and-so. Well, they, I remember you, we got Jerome McKenzie. He was phenomenal. We got Jerome McKenzie. Bang. You know, he's a wild boy. Yeah, he's a wild boy. But, and, you know, at, at one time, like, he's a very good player. So, but I, not all clubs clearly view it the same way I do. And I know there's, a, you have to have some sort of exposure. Like, you it's good to have exposure. Like, you know, Eastwood probably doesn't do it enough, but I think there's a limit to where I wouldn't want any more. But some clubs this offseason have gone insane. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Well, well I, think, I, think that, I think probably what they were trying to do is go, hey, look at all the players that we've got. Come and play kind of thing. But, like, mate, if, if you go into a battle, if you go into a battle and you're yelling, look at all the people we have here, look at everyone here, you're possibly not going to go that well. Whereas if you go and quietly, you know, sneak around the flank, maybe stab a few people, you know, just keep moving forward, moving forward nice and quietly. That was a good metaphor. It just came over there. But, <laughs> but um, look, I understand. I, I understand. We haven't, like, we, we haven't released yeah, anyone that we've signed. We haven't put anything out, you know. Oh, ne- neither have we, man. Like what? But I suppose we're both lucky enough to be at clubs who are perpetually doing okay. And I understand that. It's good to have exposure for the for some of the teams that need need a bit of exposure, but I feel like there's been overexposure. Like, I I could I reckon I've seen between like all just Instagram, and I'm not actively looking. I reckon I've seen eighty signings. Like it's, some of the money being thrown around is ridiculous. Is it ridiculous? But is it? Is there money? I think it's for a bag of crisps and a diet coke. Uh, some of the some of the things I've heard, it's absurdity. Mm. Absolute absolute absurdity. Good on them. I hope it works out for. Them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't have that sort of money. 
So no. I, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. But what you said is right. I mean, you know, luckily, I suppose, uh, like club, South is very rich in history. Um, I think the same for Eastwood. Like you get guy, you get good guys showing up regardless who want to play. Um, and if you're not getting that, then I suppose you need to stoke that fire. But it's it would be a nightmare for me. I would hate that. If I, if I was playing there or because your expectations are automatically higher. So you rock up for round one and now you've got, you've almost built yourself, you, you've built yourself a platform. You've got to deliver something, you know, and well, it, I, it's happened in the past and clubs have delivered nothing and it's, it doesn't look good. How absurd is this? One of our players got announced as a signing for another club and uh, we're like, what the fuck's going on? And, um, He's like, I haven't signed. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> He's like, I haven't oh. signed. I haven't signed. Oh, geez, that's a fuck up. But like, that's a great example of why I like hate it. <laughs> I, I don't like it. And like, it probably, you know what? It probably makes the players feel good, like coming in, getting something on Instagram, particularly if you're younger. But yeah. uh, oh, I, I just, I see it as a nightmare. It's just like if you. If there's any other good coaches out there, they just start picking your team apart. Going, well, here's the, the likely back line. He's going to be away. He's going to be injured. They're not going to have a kicker or they will have a runner or this or that, you know? Well, you know how you know how it works in Shoot Shield. They're going, oh, we got all these players. So, so clubs will go to the second grade guys, the fringe first grade guys and go, hey, why don't you come over here? Yeah, why don't you come over here? I've got some candy in my car. Why don't you come over to Milner? <laughs> Man, I mean, recruit, recruitment, recruitment's hard, but uh, I, I, some, uh, by the way, a lot of recruitment's really hard, and I'm sure you guys have it as well. But there's going to be some absolute mystery packages in those signings because, and as a, as a man who's made a lot of highlights reels, you can make a pretty like medium player look extra medium, like oh, above me, look spicy, oh, and then they rock up from New Zealand or they rock up from England or they. We had a guy rock up once from New Zealand and it was just like we got the wish version of what we ordered. We ordered a six-pack and we got a midi of old and it was insane. Was he was just speaking like, like <gasps> he was a tight head and it was just like, well, he can't play tight head and he just spent the season punching bongs. <laughs> he didn't play. So, like, there's inherent risks in just signing a million people as well. I've done a, I did a highlights reel for a third grade Colts player, and it was one of the most painful things I've ever had to do to earn money. And I've done some painful things to earn money, Jed Gillespie. And I was like, would it, it would be funny, a lot of effort, but it would be funny to do a highlight reel of all the mistakes, the yeah, missed the tackles, <laughs> and knock ons, <laughs> the running out, the fucking going into a rock. You know, the one where they go into a rock and hit the rock and just bounce backwards? Yeah. It's like oh, 10 it's, of those. It's funny, though, because even the good highlight reels, you can tell what they're bad at from what they don't put in. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you really can. So, like for instance, mine would have been all cut out passing and stepping people, but you could tell that like I wasn't taking hard carries. Whereas you see some guys, and they'll put in a, a highlights of them making a low chop tackle, but it wasn't a good one. It was a back foot low. So I know he's not a good defender because if that's making the the top, then I don't want to see his bottom. So. Anyway, we got off track, but <laughs> I th- I think coaches are insane if they don't watch full games. Like I'll, yeah. I'd go, I'd go. Th- this is what I would say to anyone. So obviously, I make highlight reels for a living, and a lot of clubs, even Japanese clubs, I've done highlights reels for some of the best players in the world. You need a highlights reel. This is not a sales pitch. This is just telling you how it is. No, I agree the, with that. The, the, the club, 
the club will go, all right, this player looks good on his highlights. Let's go and watch the full games. So then they'll go through and watch the full games. Then they'll talk, well, this is what they should do. Talk to everyone who knows that player, his old coaches, you know, talk to him, try and get a gauge for how that person is as a human, culturally. Do they have a work ethic? You know, do they have development in them? Some people don't actually have any development in them. And and then you sign a player rather than just going, hey, that's a nice five-minute highlight reel. Good scrum, you know. And he's playing like third division English pub rugby. But I will say those the the bin chicken agents who we don't talk about anymore, but they're not that keen to give you full games. Well, they wonder wonder why. Yeah. Oh, mate, we've got to move. We've got to move on the. And you go, I'm not. You can't. I'm not. I can't get a second row off one, two man jumping the line out. Like, send me a full game, and often they don't. Well, look, that says a lot about those type of people who I've heard that there are several uh, clubs and franchises who will not deal with that person anymore. Well, they've been outruled from Shoot Shield. Yes. How fucking great they are. I love hearing that shit. Um, We should should probably wrap it up. No, I don't have any summarizing thoughts. I think uh, there was some sort of general wisdom somewhere in there. Um, You'll have to really scour to find it. All right. Stay on for a sec. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Please like, subscribe, share, follow us all on Instagram. And, uh, you know, until next week, see you later. See you, boys and girls. Bye.